Up next on episode 26 of Stack Overflow, Joel and Jeff answer five listener questions, mostly about social software design. Warning, this podcast features a cowbell, really, from IT Conversations. Hi, this is Phil Windley. Today I'm excited to bring you another great program from Stack Overflow with Joel Spolsky and Jeff Atwood here on IT Conversations. The Conversations Network is a 501c3 nonprofit, and we need your help. For a tax-deductible donation of as little as $5 per month, you can support this channel and the rest of the Conversations Network. So please visit conversationsnetwork.org to become a member and help us continue to bring our programs to the world for free. Our audio files are delivered by Limelight Networks, the high-performance content delivery network for digital media. And now, here's Stack Overflow. Hi, Joel. We're back with another fabulous episode of Stack Overflow Podcast, brought to you by That's right. Jeff and Joel. Do we have a new sponsor? I didn't know if there was some surprise, like the gummy bears for gr- extra grubby children. Stack Overflow Podcast is brought to you by Gummy Bears for Grubby Children. <laughs> I can't say that with a straight face. <laughs> we yeah. need to get a better sponsor. <laughs> That's right. I, we had talked about doing um, a lot of questions because the last few shows we haven't done any at all. That's true. Um, we have five. Okay. Why don't we start with that then? You just want to launch into the questions? Yeah, I think so. I think we owe it to the audience. No, like, how have you been? What's new? How's your no. 401k doing? Nope, just right into the content, man. Okay. That's how we roll. All right. Well, most of our questions here are about uh, Stack Overflow, as a matter of fact. So let's just uh, just start throwing them out hey, there. Hey, Jeff and Joel. I've been really interested in the development of Stack Overflow's karma system since I've been trying to come up with one of my own. This is Christopher Leary. You guys seem to assume that there exists a mapping of actions to karmic weights that'll steer the whole user base in the right direction in a way that's also going to scale. I've read the transcript of Shirky's A Group is Its Own Worst Enemy talk, which made me wonder if this is even possible. Do you really think that a theoretical greatest possible weighting system would be good enough to deter the pathological users and encourage everybody else? Yes. That's it. That's the whole question. Go ahead, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think this system we came up with, I mean, I don't pretend to have an idea of what the end state is for our system. I actually don't know. I mean, because there's going to be continued growth and reputation. Yeah. Um, it might have I think to one change. Thing we did, one thing we did early on that I think was hugely important and we should have done earlier was put a cap on how much reputation you can get uh, in any given day. And I was just looking at a request on user voice that someone thinks we should also have a cap on the amount of reputation you can get from any one response. Uh, John Skeet was noting that he felt it was a little unfair that he got 46 upvotes on a really simple answer to, I think it was a question about whether you should do loops like less than or less than equal to. It was like a really simple little thing, but he just felt like 46 upvotes was a lot for sort of an ephemeral thought like that. Was that a question that, why, why did the question have so much attention on it? I don't know. Um, Why were so many people like, looking at that question and voting it up? I, well, I, I think the questions that anybody can relate to tend to get a lot of votes. So if you ask some really narrow technical question, only a very narrow technical subset of the audience is going to be able to understand it and 
you know, read it and process it and vote on it, things like that. But if you ask a really generic question, like, you know, say, what's your favorite programming cartoon? (laughs) You know, everybody in the world can relate to that. And to a lesser extent, you know, how do you like to build loop structures? I mean, everybody builds loops. It's all we do, right? So everybody's got an opinion about it. So a lot of people are going to have eyeballs on it and have input into it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And John, I thought, had a very nice considered opinion about this, um, and and he's on to something because, like I said, until we had the reputation cap, it was it was sort of a huge looming problem. So I would say that was that that's the number one thing I would look at is you have to have really strong limits uh, in the system. Maybe the, and then the yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say maybe they should be logarithmic or something. You know, like Richter scales. Yeah, I I thought about that, but it just it gets hairy. I mean, it just seems complex at some level versus you know the one man one vote rule. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some people that even think the more reputation you have, the more your votes should count, which I think is extremely bad. Like, I think that's totally the wrong way to do the system. Wait, um, wait, don't answer so that yet, because that's a question that we have coming up. <laughs> oh, really? Right. We'll, we'll come back to that. Yes, we'll come back to that. But I, I would say, in building rep- reputation-type systems, uh, the other key thing that we looked at, so the central tenant one being have some sort of built-in limits in the system. Mm-hmm. That's really important. And then two, try to make it so that other people give you reputation. It's like the whole Google model of page rank, right? Where you building a website, you can't vote for yourself. Only other people can vote for you. Um, I, I think that's really important as well. So I would say those would be probably be the two guidelines for anyone asking my opinion about this. Although, like I said, I, 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 we have not seen all the ramifications of the system we've built yet. But so far, so good. I think it would be fair to say that it was definitely our goal that, that this thing would – or it was our expectation that, that these things would change all the time, that we would constantly be changing things, adding new badges, removing badges, adding scoring rules, right? But as you have noted before, once the system sort of gets out there and people get used to the way it works, there's a lot of belly aching when you change things. So there's some inertia that you start to get in the system around the, the way things are. Yeah. Um, so it's difficult to just radically change course. I mean, our hope was during the private beta, we got all that stuff out of our system, all the major crazy changes. Um, but we'll see. Um, oh, I got a cowbell. Oh, <laughs> did the cowbell arrive? Did the tambourine arrive? Yeah. Uh, oh, tambourine. I got to take that. Out. I'll take that out of the next question, but that's the cowbell. Yeah. These are, I, by the way, these... These aren't random. These are actually rock band accessories for the vocalist. There's well, actually parts of the song where you can hit the cowbell and actually have it register and things like that. Oh, you have to have it. I was looking for the USB port, and this just looks like a piece of metal. So <laughs> I was not seeing the I thought this was going to be a USB cowbell. I guess it's wireless yeah. or something. I don't see what you put in the batteries. I'm excited that you are using it as a prop on our show. That, that makes it all worthwhile. <laughs> it's excellent. I should uh, wait. I must have. I've got all this gear here now. I must have. Uh, for those of you that don't pay any attention to my website, uh, I wrote up a little uh, article uh, last uh, Friday, was it, about uh, what all the gear is here on the new studio setup. I've actually got two mixers and recorder and all kinds of USB. It's a lot of gear. And the, the joke is that I think this entire thing could be done in software if I could just figure <laughs> that stuff out. Yeah, but it's fun to have knobs and dials. The knobs and dials are fun. And there's flashing lights here that don't mean anything. For example, one of these mixers has a flashing light that says 152.2. I don't know what that means. I think that's the number of beats per minute but it looks coming cool. from you, it looks, Jeff. looks complicated and it fun does. and interesting. <laughs> anyway, um, 
Uh, yeah, k- k- karma. I mean, th- th- I, I, I personally believe that, that that almost anything you try to come up with will, over time, tend to create uh, people gaming the system a little bit, and you know, maybe not non-optimal behavior that is point optimal, but not site optimal. Like it, it optimizes for somebody's personal karma and not for the actual outcome that you want. And as that starts to happen, you have to constantly adjust and tweak these systems kind of endlessly. Right. I mean, you know, and that's, that's what right. happened with PageRank, obviously, and Google's, Google's ranking algorithm is that they pretty much had to keep continuously adding new twists. What does the but knob the central- do on the cowbell? But the central thing is still there. I mean, I agree that there's been all these new <laughs> – it's funny because blogs were kind of an exploit of the page rank system in my opinion. Like, yeah. Because blogs, just the way they're constructed and the way people sort of form these communities and link to each other, just naturally, they're not trying to game the system. But it was like a huge page rank farm effectively. Mm-hmm. Like I know Google did several updates related to blogs because it got ridiculous. I remember like some bloggers had like page rank 7. Which is, I mean, that's astronomical. That's because like, it's a logarithmic scale, right? And on, mm-hmm. on one end, you have like you know, Apple.com, and you know some of the really major sites, like some of the Google sites, are PageRank 10, um, Wikipedia, things like that, and then PageRank 1. Um, by the time you get to four and five, you're a pretty serious website. Um, and I was just surprised to see bloggers at seven because I, I love my fellow bloggers, but good lord, you know, they're not institutions unto themselves, although. Some of them might think that they are. So, well, I for one have PageRank seven. So there. But you're not a blogger, oh, yeah, as you right. always tell us over and over <laughs> again. So you don't count. I right? notice you you're only have six, Jeff. <laughs> you're one of those fancy writers. Oh yeah, that's right. With your words and your sentences and your paragraphs, I just use bullet points and pictures. And maybe I don't mind being a blogger anymore. But you know, I, I was thinking about the definition of a blog. You know, it sort of changed a little bit, and it used to be more about the fact that you were linking. Mm-hmm. Like I like, there used to be some implication that if you're a blogger, that what you're doing is sort of like I don't know, Glenn Reynolds, where you just make you just everything you write is two sentences, and it's just linking to other people writing longer form things. Mm-hmm. And there used to be a little bit of an implication of that in the idea of blogging. Uh, now there isn't so much. I think now there's all kinds of different ways that blogs work. I think that's no longer. I think now the well, the word either has no meaning or it only means the reverse chronological order. Thing or hey, let's not talk about blogging. That's boring. Yes, let's talk about podcasting. Yeah, that's much more exciting. <laughs> that's what people talk about on podcasts. So, anything else we want to tell Christopher question? Leary here about uh, karma karma systems? I, I think you do have to adjust it all the time. I think you have to come up with a first good guess, and you just have to be ready to um, tweak it and watch what people are doing, watch what people are saying. But you know, part of the reason I even thought that it was important to have the Stack Overflow podcast is that I really did want people. Um, you know, this is something that kind of the community is going to pay attention to. And they're going to say, hey, I have an idea. Maybe I should get six points when I do this and only minus two points when I do that. And having those conversations kind of continuously is, is kind of important. And it's important for, for us to hear from the users of the site. It uh, is. It's important for them to go on user voice and, and enter it. And then I'll decline it immediately. Yeah. Or just um, even better call into the uh, uh, podcast uh, podcast hotline. By the way, I'm going to mention the phone number a couple of times because uh, I want to encourage more calls. Um, 646-826-3879. That's 646-826-3879. And that's the number where you can leave uh, a voicemail um, for us to play on the show and we uh, need more questions. Um, when you do call, um, please tell us your name and try to keep it to under 90 seconds. All right. Another question? Sure. Let's do it. 
Um, this was sort of uh, this was sort of mentioned by uh, uh, we touched hey, upon this. Downvoting. Uh, basically, not all downvotes are created equal. People who go around just downvoting everybody, their voice shouldn't really have as much weight as uh, somebody who's very selective. So, what do you think about a system where the voter's reputation is a multiple? So, people who have better reputation, their votes count more. What do you think? Bye. So, I guess you were very much against this idea? I just, I, I think it's very, for lack of a better word, undemocratic. I mean, the idea that your vote counts for more than mine. I mean, mm -hmm. th there was a gem of something in there that's a little bit interesting that we've thought about, which is we have had incidences of people who, they get pissed off at another user, so they go in and downvote everything that user has ever done, right? Well, okay, first of all, it's not as bad as it sounds because... An upvote is worth five times as much as a downvote, so it would take five downvotes to cancel out one upvote. Uh, so there's a limited amount of damage you can do. Plus, you only have 30 votes in a 24-hour period anyway, so you can only do that on you know 30 posts uh, by that user. But still, it is aggravating, and I, I totally empathize with people that are complaining because this is annoying. And uh, I, somebody told me that the way Reddit, and it might even have been you, I don't remember, uh, Mr. Reddit fan, but on Reddit they, they track this. And if they see a user like just consistently downvoting another user, they basically silently undo all those votes. Like those don't even count. I do, um, uh, and, I do not remember saying that. But you know what? That just, it just occurred to me that we should get, uh, you know, we should get on as a guest uh, some of those Reddit guys like uh, yeah, Steve your or Alexis. Bestest, your bestest pals. My best friend. That would be cool. Alexis. Or yes. he's in a, a band called uh, Bread Pig. Are you familiar with that band? I am not familiar with Bread Pig. They play the rock band uh, um, instruments um, without oh, the Xbox. The Bread Pig. Yeah. Wow, that's cool. <laughs> that's very cool. Yeah, definitely. Let's get him on. That's, that's right. doubly awesome now. I'm totally convinced. Uh, Joel and I have been talking more about getting more guests on because I think it just livens up the show and... Uh, plus, we get to broaden, you know, our horizons a little bit, which is always kind of nice. Yeah, and we get better um, ratings when we when it's just a, not, not like this old couple, you and me, just <laughs> whiling away the, t the hours, yeah. sipping on our Bartles and James. And <laughs> that's that's what it's going to be eventually, isn't it? Yes. We just need that's to find a place where we can both move. Yeah. Uh, one final thing on that question. Another thing that's been floated, and well, I guess you kind of talked about this, is just sort of a logarithmic thing of, you know, instead of having a, you know, something have a, baj a bajillion votes where a, another post has four, mm -hmm. some sort of normalization you do. Yeah. Where your, your deviation's above the mean. And I'm kind of open to that, but I, again, I just think it's kind of complicated to figure out versus the whole one man, one vote thing, which people kind of get. Well, what I'm wondering is, what's it going to be like when there are people out there with, you know, 100,000 karma? And, you know, are, are new people going to come in and say, well, I can never achieve that kind of karma, so there's just no point and just lose interest? Another thing that's been floated is, and I think some communities do this, once you get to a certain level, you just have max. That's Ooh. the number... You're, just, you're, you're at max. And then, you know, I mean, we could cap it that way so it doesn't feel like, oh, because eventually someone will have 20K rep, which is just, that's huge, right? I mean, we're almost at the point where someone has 10K. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe I we should have, have like a cap. 2, because this is no, how about nobody can have more than Joel? <laughs> <laughs> because the intent of the system is that we trust you. You know, reputation doesn't mean that you're a genius or that you know everything there is to know about anything at all actually it just means that stack overflow the system trusts you yeah and once you get to a very high level of trust you're just 
infinitely trusted. I don't. I don't um, really like the max idea. I, I feel like you should be able to just you know you should always have something more to strive for. Yeah. No. I, I mean, Max is you got elected president of the United States of America. <laughs> well, we've also thought about uh, maybe extender, extending some moderator privileges to other users, um, just so that you know if we're not around, if you know you me the four moderators that we have. Yeah. Although to be fair, to be clear, almost everything in the system you users can do the essential things that need to happen on the site, but there's some unusual things that might happen. Yeah. <laughs> also, I've never really used my moderator privileges except for once, and then I messed it up because I thought I was just flagging something, and I was actually banning a user for life. <laughs> I think, or I don't remember what I, what I did. Yeah. So, so I'm not really works, moderating properly. Yes, yes. That user, I think, felt very chastised by that accidentally. Uh, he actually Sorry. emailed me. That was kind of funny. Uh, so what Joel is referring to is normally you can vote something offensive or flag something offensive. Um, and once you get to a certain threshold of offensive, it's sort of soft, automatically deleted, and so on and so forth. But what Joel didn't realize is as a moderator, your offensive vote is like binding and permanent. Like if you cast an offensive vote, it's like immediately you reach the threshold. One of the very few sort of special things about moderators. So when Joel did that, he banished the post. He thought he was just casting an innocent little flag, but no, he was removing the post. So, Yeah. Um. I have a question. Are you in the list of questioners? Did you call no. the number? All right, never Did you mind. leave your name? Okay, Did sorry. you? It's all right. I won't ask it. Yeah. Okay. Let's see. Um, kind of got a new system here. So I'm reputation, downvoting. Uh, I, I feel like you should be able to go on forever, just earning some kind of additional points, but maybe not in a way that discourages new users from – Like maybe there's something about uh, – maybe your, your karma kind of rots if you don't keep it up to date. That's another thing that's been floated, but I I don't know. I mean, gosh, some of this stuff, I feel like you'd have to just throw it out there and try it and see what the reaction is. Mm-hmm. But some of it's so broad and so sweeping and such a major change to behavior that, gosh, I, I worry about that, particularly like that one. If people come in, because already people freak out if their reputation changes by any way they don't understand. So if there's this global thing where every week everybody's rep drops, you know, Unless they've participated, right? Like, say you go a week without doing something, so your rep would drop. Well, maybe you have well, two kinds like, of rep. You know, you got old rep, which is shown in Roman numerals, and you, you always get to keep that. <laughs> but it's old-fashioned, which is why it's in Roman numerals. Yes, that's great. That sounds simple and very easy to understand, the system that you're describing. I don't think anyone would be confused. I don't think I would get any emails about that. <laughs> you, that just, you just have to explain it in the blog. All right, uh, let's go on to another question here. This is a good one. Hi, Joel and Jeff. This is Jeff Metzner from Exton, Pennsylvania. I'm a C++ programmer. Uh, and here's my Stack Overflow-related question. Uh, it's about uh, anybody being able to edit, edit any post on the site, uh, reputation-dependent, of course, uh, which I generally think is a good thing, especially for the technical questions. Uh, however, it just occurred to me that uh, I recently answered a question uh, about job experiences with a personal anecdote uh, and whether such questions should be allowed or not is a whole separate question, which we'll come back to some other time. But uh, it occurred to me, as I say, that I, I answered this question with a personal anecdote, and then uh, if anyone is allowed to edit that, then that means that I could go back someday and find something 
with my name next to it that actually does not reflect my experience, which with a technical question is not such a big deal because presumably they would be correcting my mistakes. Uh, but with a subjective answer, they're potentially putting words in your mouth. So uh, I was wondering what your opinion was about that. Thank you. Bye. I think that's a great point. I mean, Joel, did you want to run with that? Um, well, you, you've, you've thought about this. So, <laughs> no, actually, um, uh, you know, one, one thing is that the personal anecdote, you know, I kind of have to see the question, but what, what we've really been envisioning is, like I say, the Wikipedia of the long tail of programming questions. So, you know, a, a, a good answer does not necessarily, should not really, it's not, a, this isn't a discussion group. It's not a place to, um, to tell your life story. It's a place to, provide encyclopedia-like answers to questions. You know, the best answers are the ones that are the most, um, uh, what's the uh, technical term I'm looking for? The most uh, encyclopedic. You know, what are, the, what are the qualities of an encyclopedia article? No point of view, um, you know, balanced, clear explanations, no assumptions about what the reader knows or how advanced they are. Uh, Have you been to Stack Overflow recently? I mean, I'm just curious. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because what you're describing, I got to tell you, <laughs> yeah, doesn't it, exist. Some, some, no, some of them are like that. I, uh, I think a lot of them are like that. Well, you know, the the, obje- the ones that you hate the most are all the subjective ones, which are like, you know, what's everybody's favorite keyboard? Wait, wait, wait. Okay, first of all, hate is a strong word. I don't hate anything on Stack Overflow. Okay. I may dislike and disagree <laughs> with some of the things. I don't hate anything that's on Stack Overflow. Your pet peeve is the subjective I hate- ones. I hate you, Joel Spolsky, but, you know, the stuff on the site, I, you know, try to stay more apart from. Sniff. I know. You're very, you're, he's very sensitive. I'm putting um, your volume down 20%. Now, which not this this for Jeff's volume. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Yeah. Here we go. I, I think a go. lot of the tension in Stack Overflow, and I think it's an interesting tension, comes from the fact that we're trying to blend these two things that essentially are like oil and water. One is that the concept of shared ownership like Wikipedia, right, where nothing is signed, mm-hmm. right? There, there's no article. It's like this is the asphalt article by Joe Schmo. It's just this is the asphalt article. So you give up identity. There's no reputation system. There's certainly no upvoting on Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the other hand, we have all these things in our system. So we're trying to serve two masters. And I think it can it can get sketchy, right? I mean, there's places around the boundaries of our system where it doesn't really fit very well. Um, but I think, again, it depends – I guess it depends what you're putting in and what you want to get out of the system. I mean, if you put in a lot of this really subjective stuff, then yeah. But I think there's also the risk for anything you put on Stack Overflow, somebody could change it to, I'm an idiot, right? Like, <laughs> you go in and write, like, a really nice response, and then I could go in and change it to, you know what? I'm an idiot. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's visible. It's all visible. It's all public. And when users do bad things, what I like, what I love about Stack Overflow is there's nothing – moderator secrety that I really do. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple queries that we have that eventually I want to expose to people. Um, but I would just go in and look at a, a user's history just like you would. If I see a user going in and changing a bunch of people's stuff to, I'm an idiot, the first thing I'm going to do is delete everything that user ever did. Mm-hmm. Right. So that user effectively disappears from the system, and that's like a one-click operation for me. Wee. Literally. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's awesome. So I can undo lots of vandalism like really quickly. And this is, Wait, again, if you a, look at the... You, you have a one-click... Sorry, Jeff, you have a one-click way to delete all the changes. It's like somebody's gone and edited 30 things. Yes. You can roll back all their edits in one click. That, 
that user and everything they did ceases to exist. This is obviously wow. why that's something I don't. I'm really nervous about extending that to anyone outside of our little cabal. Oh, when they get when they get 148,000 karma, you know, right. you can have a badge. You know, what we could have badges for. We could have badges for like real address. Like I have proven that you live at a certain address, and then could. certain things could only be turned on if we can actually go to your house. Not that we will, but we could. We could. And then you just use one of these. There are these online services that will mail a postcard to an address with a you know a code on it, and if they type it in correctly, then you register that they at least control the the mail that goes to that address. Well, one of the ideas that uh, Michael had in I think two podcasts ago when we were in New York City was the idea of making up Stack Overflow T-shirts and some sort of little mini swag things that we would actually send no. to people once they get to certain rep levels just yeah. for fun. And they would have to uh, send a photograph of them wearing it with a code on it. And then they could well, get. <laughs> once we have their address and stuff, they have sort of semi-proven, you know. I mean, that, uh, so that's along the same lines of like, if we're going to send people stuff, we would have to actually know who they are and where they live. <laughs> yeah. To some degree, so I don't know. I'm I'm open to that. Um, swag. Okay, call in if you have any suggestions for what kind of swag we should have uh, from Stack Overflow six four six eight two six three eight seven nine. See, I'm doing it like the talk. Talk radio host, guys. Right. Uh, I, I don't think I have a perfect answer for that question. I think there's always going to be that tension in our system because, on some yeah. level, it's just not. Re- it can't really be resolved. Uh, you the know good what? news is that just I'm it. really not seeing a lot of those kind of problems. I mean, we talk about them, and I think this is what I like about. Yeah, it's more you theoretical know, problem than an actual problem. Well, but even on like my blog, Coding Horror, anybody can post anything in Coding Horror, right? I don't authenticate anything. And mm-hmm. I have to go in manually and delete stuff. It's just incredibly brutal because my tooling sucks. It's a long story. Um, but honestly, I don't have to do it that much, really. It surprises me how little I have to do it. And you have a lot of people watching the system in Stack Overflow. And if they see other people messing you up, they're going to be the Good Samaritan and they're going to clean up. Mm-hmm. It it's, really does work. I've seen questions come in that were just horrible questions, unbelievably bad. And people go in and fix them. It's, it's miraculous. They take it, a bad question, they edit the title, they edit the body, they edit tags, and you end up with this really nice question with these mm-hmm. great responses. And it's all based on these little slices of effort that people are contributing. So I would hope those little slices of effort would also contribute to helping you protect yourself from malicious users. Other people will help you in the system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, a, a lot of those cases, especially if it's just like badly worded questions or like bad English, bad grammar written by a non-native speaker, etc. And it's really cool that those get fixed. It's fun to fix other people's stuff. It's really this collaborative thing. Like one of my favorite things to do in Stack Overflow is find a user with reputation of one Mm -hmm. that is just asked a question that I like, and then I upvote it. And I get this little thrill of like, wow, I just gave them their first badge. And I don't know. It's just crazy. Hey, that reminds me. One of the things that that is uh, underdone, underutilized, one of the features that is underutilized at Stack Overflow is just the voting on questions in general. I think a lot of people don't even get why it's there. They don't vote. It's not... You know what I mean? The voting for questions, not for answers. Right. No, I, I'm with you. I, I think the more sophisticated Stack Overflow users do get voting for questions. And there have been actually several really good topics on Stack Overflow. They were meta topics. Uh, but still, they were good. And examinations were like why you would vote for questions and how you should vote for questions. Of course, right. getting people to read that is another Well, I mean, I'm, lo- like I'm looking at the hot list right now, the current hot list. 
And, you know, there's, there's some questions like 13 votes, but, I mean, we really need to get it like like 100 votes for the good questions because I really want the hot list to be – and maybe this is just because nobody comes in. The hot page isn't the default. Not enough people paying attention to the hot list. I really think that the hot list should be the default, not the newest. But but my feeling is that the hot list is a place where you go and you find the, the vote. Hot list up, is the default. It is? It is the default. Oh. Yeah, it is. Okay, it's just second. Oh, well, you want it to be the very first tab. So you want it to be the first tab. I, I just misinterpreted that it was not the default because it wasn't the first tab. Um, okay. But because and because it always remembers when you stuck it on, so I'm never going to see what the default is again. Yes. In my life, but but my idea of the the hot the hot list is that if you don't have any questions and you just want to learn something new about programming, that those would be things people had voted up because they were just gen- of general interest. You know, I thought they were just like, interesting questions. Somebody thought they were interesting questions. And right, no, that that list I, would give you a whole bunch of interesting things to to learn about. Actually, it is almost working. You know, there are pretty interesting questions on there right now. No, totally. And I encourage people, anyone listening, uh, please vote for the questions that you like. I mean, there are, again, I've talked about this on previous co- podcasts, but I, I continue to see it over and over in the system. Some people are really good at asking questions, and they should get upvoted for that, and you should mm. pay attention to that. And Conversely, I've seen people complain that they, they didn't like the answers they got, they got. Mm-hmm. and a lot of the time, I don't want to blame the victim kind of thing here, but I got to say, you shouldn't have been wearing that dress. Asking a good question is an art. If you get really bad answers that are totally not what you wanted, you got to really look at your question because I, I mean, I know this from just writing my blog. If I write my blog entries a certain way, I get these really bizarre responses that are not at all about what I wrote about. Mm-hmm. And I, I consider that my fault, right? Like, I didn't do a good job of communicating what the blog entry was about. And it's hard. I'll be the first to say it's very, very hard. It's just like writing. It's difficult. But you've got to concentrate on asking a clear, focused question. Mm-hmm. And if the first time you don't get it right, either edit the question and make it better or just, you know, say, you know what? I'm just going to ask a whole new question, link it to the second one, and then just, you know, ask again. Yeah. With a better formulation to get better answers. Yeah. Yeah, people sometimes people don't even know what they're asking. <laughs> so, like they're not quite sure what they're what they've done wrong, you know, or or what the Sometimes they're asking a question that's like a little bit too specific, like, you know, how do I make this particular error message go away? And it's actually like, well, you need to re-ask yourself the question of why you're even trying to do that thing in general because it doesn't even make sense. In this Have you read um Eric Raymond's? I think it's Eric Raymond's How to Ask Questions, like this epic yeah. 100,000 word and that's the thing that he tried to encourage people to like use as the answer to all Usenet questions that they don't feel like answering right now. It's like point everybody to how to ask questions. Well, this is why I say I think the more sophisticated Stack Overflow users are the ones that actually vote for questions. Maybe we should have some sort of promotional thing or bonus that comes with that because they appreciate how difficult it is to actually ask a good question. Yeah. <laughs> and I think a lot of people don't. And the the irony of, of you know the thing that... Uh, uh, Eric Raymond wrote is that who the type of people that ask bad questions are not going to read this giant treatise on how to ask questions right mm-hmm. it's this total catch 22 of a problem so I don't know it's just like who does that document actually serve at that point it's yeah. just like masturbation for someone it's just the I way mean, you can know. be like one of these uh, annoying programmers which is like I'm not going to answer your question because you did not read this entire document <laughs> But, you know, on Stack Overflow, the advantage is, unlike Usenet, people go in and fix your question. And mm-hmm. I, I won't give you my whole diatribe, but I've seen it happen again and again. People mm-hmm. come in and help mm-hmm. you fix your question. And it feels good. It feels good to help other people. I don't know why. It's yeah. really 
it's addictive. Like even I, having built the system, I'm frankly a little bit sick of it at this point, just because I'm doing it all day every day. And <laughs> but I still I get totally sucked into it. Like I'll spend hours, literally, just clicking around Stack Overflow, editing stuff, looking at stuff, like learning stuff. I mean, the system is incredibly addictive, even to me. So I guess, I mean, that's fair since I was, we were the target audience. So I yep. guess it would be a failure if that was not true. Yep. But this is, I, I enjoy using the system, so, for what it's worth. Okay. Um, what was the question again? The question, Jeff's question, are, are we still on that one? Anecdote, what if uh, people editing your anecdote and stuff like that? Right. That was the question, right? Yep, I think you have to sort there of trust There was something I wanted to say, which is trusting oh. But also, you know what? Format it as an anecdote. Just in your question, say, you know, like indent it and put quotes around it and then put a dash, dash, and then your name and make it look like a quote. Make it look like something where nobody's going to go in there and really mun- mundle, mundle with it. There's one other thing, um, uh, Jeff, which I'm, and I'm not sure if you're uh, aware of. This is sort of one of the more subtle features of Stack Overflow is this idea of too much editing causes a post to flip over to being a community post. And you can also flag anything you want to be a community post, and that gets your name off of something. So if you're telling a personal story or if you're doing something that you don't want to basically – whatever it is, you don't want your, your name signed on that forever as other people edit it and God only knows what they're going to do with it uh, over the years, um, then you can just sort of throw it into community ownership and your name doesn't show up on it at all. Yes, excellent point, and I should have mentioned that. Um, so yeah, the community things, uh, where do you, where, where is that? I'm looking for the, um, I guess I didn't, it's a, it's a very subtle checkbox and this is intentional. It's very yeah. subtle under the actual input area where you type in your post, there's right. a checkbox. And it says community yeah. wiki, which may be confusing, yeah. um, to people may not. Well, know there, there means. is, there is a little bit of a mouse over yep. that explains a little, little bit deeper. It says community owned posts do not generate any reputation for the owner and have a lower reputation barrier for collaborative editing. I, I should also say, you know, and will not be signed. True. True. Another, well, I mean, that's, that may be one of the main. That may be one of the main points uh, to the user. The main and you, the, the main feature that they see. The main reason they may do this is to get their their name off of that post. Right. I'm going to make a note and I'll add that to that. By the time so you hear this this podcast, that may be fixed. Yeah. Yes. Let's do the next question. Next question. Um, last one, and this is a really good one, actually. Um, hey guys, just wondering why we can't ask IT questions. I don't really know who this is from. So, uh, somebody called this in and did not leave their name. So, um, random anonymous person. I know it's a programming no. site, but um, really, you guys have such a great resource that uh, the rest of us are sort of left to you know experts exchange. And uh, I, you know, what? I know Joel has said, or rather. Yeah, Jeff has said, you know, three to six months out, but uh, I would love uh, something in the interim. Thanks. So what he's what he's asking for, um, this anonymous person, I'm, I'm guessing it's presidential candidate John McCain calling. Um, but uh, what he it's wanted... It's a non-E moose, remember? A non-E moose. Oh, yeah, it's the moose. Uh, yeah. I, I think what, what what he's asking is, like, you know, IT questions, like how do I get a Cisco router to blah, blah, to the whatever, to the... Or um, how do I get Windows to, you know, delete a DLL from the subdirectory with, the, you know, those kind of questions. This is a recurring question. And it's a great question to get because people like the system. So it's a compliment. And I, I treat it like a compliment, but I also have to do my decline thing. <laughs> but it's when I decline, let me be clear, for everybody that participates on user voice, when I decline, that doesn't mean you suck. 
Doesn't mean your idea sucks. Wait, wait, wait. Doesn't mean we're never before you, going before to do you, it. Before you, before you decline this one, let me just <laughs> highlight that uh, yeah, um, I, 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 I will agree with you that when somebody says, I would like to license the site and use it for um, you know, questions that people have, programming you know, the USB port of the Fostix MR16 recording mixer device. Because that's what I have in front of me. But when people come, you know, want a, 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 a too narrow, a, a, you know, when they want a, uh, a personal private label, white label, oh, I'm start again. This is different than what you say three to six weeks where you say, no, we're not going to do white label versions because, you know, they won't get the scale and it's just not our priority. And the reason I think this is different is I think that uh, another site, just like Stack Overflow, that was for IT questions or maybe even our site that just allowed IT questions would be just as big as Stack Overflow. It would have just as many people. It would have just as interesting questions. They would be questions that had real answers. It would benefit just as much from the wiki editing, rating, ranking, all that stuff. So I think it's a right. little different than those other things which you just immediately... Well, no, I, I, I disagree. I mean, I, I think I... Well, I, I think I'm saying the same thing as you. I, oh. I'm not disagreeing. I'm saying the same thing as you. I see a total need for a sister site, what I call a sister site, yeah. for people who aren't programmers but right. are in IT. Yeah. So Maybe they are programmers. I think that's this is not what their the questions most, are about. It's yeah. probably the most obvious thing for us to do. I think it would... Like you said, it... It would be at least as successful as Stack Overflow, and Stack Overflow has done really well. So yeah. I'm assuming that would do really well uh, too. Mm-hmm. But at this okay. point, it's just a question of of resources and uh, manpower. And plus, I really don't think we're we're really not fully baked on Stack Overflow. I know it seems that way. <laughs> uh, oh, we seem totally baked. <laughs> oh, we seem totally baked. Yeah, we are the most baked uh, people. Yes, uh, but I feel like it's not really there yet. I think I'm flirting with the idea of pulling the beta tag off our site. Um, at least the disclaimer really? at the top of the page at the end of the month. I'm really flirting with that because I feel like we've gotten all the major things that I wanted in at that point. Not that there's not more to do, but even then, I would like some more burn-in time. And that's why I keep quoting the three- to six-month time period. I think that would be the same time period for <laughs> setting up a, a sister site. Because I would want to recruit Three- to six people. months just means like, uh, yeah, not working on it right now, but I might. <laughs> Could be well, I want to forever. also acknowledge that I, I agree there's a lot of merit in the idea. There's a, there's a lot of... The, the main thing, I mean, for, for, let's take this from a purely selfish perspective. You know, what's to stop somebody else from doing this and capturing all that benefit, you know, of, of all our great idea? Not that, you know, it's such a hard idea, but what's to stop somebody else from uh, uh, making one of these things before well, we do? Well, that's kind of a little bit of what I was getting at. Like, I would want to recruit the right people to run the site from day one. Like, people that could sort of be its caretakers, like what we do. That's I mean, there needs question. to be a cabal. Who, who are the Jeff Atwood and Joel Spolskys of uh, IT? That's exactly what I'm getting at. That's exactly what I'm getting at. And that's the first thing is I would want to do. you got to build it that way, right? I mean, the code is the code. I mean, that's not really the point. It's the people. Would you want it to be, would you want it to really be a separate, separate database or just like a bit that every post has and really kind of the same site. I really think it should be a totally different site. Not because I want to do the segregation thing, it's kind but of because weird, I think know. it's the community that deserves its own space, you know? Microsoft has MSDN and then they have TechNet. And those have always been sort of separate, very separate things. But and if you've ever been to conferences where they mix those two things, 
Yes. You understand why that is, certainly from... <laughs> that's generally regarded as a good thing. But there's so many things that are kind of weird. Like, where does, you know, Excel macro programming belong? Is that, uh, is that TechNet because it's Microsoft Office? Or is it MSDN because it's programming? You know, there really is a lot of overlap. And a lot of what IT people do is programming. I don't think it's that overlappy, hmm. personally. I would definitely put that in the uh, TechNet bin. Boy, was I pissed when they did that with my nice documentation about the Excel C API. I was like, this is programming documentation. It should be an MSDN. It's all the other programming documentation. No, it's for the script kitties. That's who it's for. Eh. It was C. It was the C interface. Oh, <laughs> while we're on this topic, I, I, I need to apologize to all the C programmers. One thing that's really... Already just preemptively apologize even before. Well, I want to apologize because I, I've been... Even before you've done something wrong. It's... it's a, moderately long story but first of all i've been really pleasantly surprised we have a huge audience of c and c plus plus programmers way more than i thought we would mm -hmm. actually maybe that's the people you brought to the table um, which is great maybe it's because they're working a, in these horrible programming languages they need help every minute of every day to be able to get the most basic things done there's a really vibrant community a uh, subsection of c programmers and one thing we did with tagging was when we started defining what the character set is, the allowable character set for tags, ah, yes. um, I looked at what actually we were using, like what actual programmer things people were using, what they were putting in the system. And from there, I sort of reverse engineered, these are the characters we should allow. Mm -hmm. One side effect of that is we allow plus in our tag names, which is kind of annoying in retrospect because the traditional tag systems where you're combining tags in the URL mm -hmm. use a plus I mean, this is how Flickr does it. This right, is how right, a lot right, of right, places right. do it. Well, the minute you do that, it's awkward for us because it's hard for us to tell the difference between GDI plus and GDI plus plus some other tag. Yeah. Uh, so as a result, I've been sort of playing with the algorithm and trying to like hack it up and make it work because we can use spaces or pluses. And the current code path is if I, if I see that behavior in the tags, I go to the space code path and it's space delimited either one works actually hmm. but we require it in that case yeah um but as a side effect of doing that i've been breaking the c plus plus tag like every other day because i always forget to check the c plus plus tag which is stupid because it's a really popular tag but it i is. don't click on it because i'm not a c plus plus programmer so i don't it's think the about fifth, it's the fifth most so, popular tag I know, I know. I'm telling you, it's really popular. So yeah. I, I want to apologize to all the C++ programmers. I feel really bad about this because every time I do that, I, I see a ticket on user voice and I sort of smack my head and I curse myself. So uh, <laughs> I apologize um, for that. So now that I've got my little apology out of the way. Is that all the questions that we had? Um, was that any of the questions? Oh, wait, did we even answer that question? Oh, yeah, IT. Uh... Yeah, we answered it. Yeah, we want to do it. We want to do it. We need to identify the, the Joel Spolsky and Jeff Atwood of the IT world and have them own it and have a relationship with them. And that's how I would like to do it personally. Obviously, this is subject to negotiation and things like that. But Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. We have one more question, but it's not really uh, related to Stack Overflow. Hi, Joel but it's and a Jeff. Change this of pace. is Miles Stint. Oh, that's all right. Got away from me. Start over. Hi, Joel and Jeff. This is Miles Dennis from England. I've just formed a company with the primary goal of developing a new software product. There are two of us currently, both experienced developers, but not able to dedicate all of our time to coding. Very shortly we will need to take on another developer, and I'm a great believer in the philosophy of recruiting people who are both smart and get things done. Ah. My question is, for a cost-conscious startup, 
Where do you see the balance between taking on inexperienced staff that cost less versus experienced staff costing more? Is there a certain experience level you would see as a minimum, no matter how smart they are? Thanks, and good luck with Stack Overflow. Um, well, I have a couple of things to say here. And then, Jeff, maybe Take you want away. to talk about some of your experience. No. Stack Overflow Take it away. team. Um, a couple of things. First of all, if you're recruiting for a startup, uh, that the uh, the truth is that all developers should be about the same price. And the reason I say that is that uh, you're going to have, uh, no matter what you do, you're going to have trouble. Uh, you, you, to get somebody to come join a startup that's not yet quite, that's not necessarily profitable yet or that's not really in the clear, you're, ta- you're, you're looking for somebody who's willing to take more risk. And there are different categories of people that are willing to take the risk of joining a startup. And one category is young people that don't feel like they have anything to lose. They don't have to make their mortgage payments. They don't have a family to support yet. And, you know, worst comes to worst, they can always move back in with mom or mum, as the case may be if you're in England. So, uh, or move in with a queen mom, which would be funny. Anyway, there's a whole bunch of... Uh, uh, Where did that come from? <laughs> I don't know. It just made sense. Like, oh, my startup failed and I had to move in with a queen mom. <laughs> nice old lady. Anyway, uh, the um, now I'm concerned. Is she still alive? I have no idea. This is our English listeners are just agog now that we're going on with this. I'm sorry. See, this is the, you started this though. <laughs> you totally, yeah. The Queen Mother. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm looking it up on Wikipedia right now. Um. Recent British Queen Mothers, Queen Elizabeth. Wow, you know she died in two thousand and two, so wow. I guess nobody will be moving in with her. Um, what were we talking about? Young people are willing to join startups because they have nothing to lose, and the other category are fairly experienced people are willing to join startups if they have some savings and they're looking for an opportunity to do something more interesting. You know, maybe somebody who's been stuck. Uh, in a big company for 10 or 15 years, or maybe they've already made a bunch of money from their stock options from the first company that they worked at, and now they have enough savings that they're comfortable to take a year or two and do something a little little riskier. And uh, in both cases, that's the audience they're looking for. And in neither case are you going to be hiring people that are sensitive as to what the exact salary is. Uh, Startups just pay less out out the door than, 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 than companies that have already been successful um, because hopefully those people that you hire will get uh, some equity and they'll get some kind of ownership uh, in the whole thing. And that's really what they're working for. So um, this really, first of all, it really, it really shouldn't be an issue for you. You can look for experienced people or inexperienced people and um, you're going to pay them mostly with equity anyway. So that's, uh, that, that's the first part. The second part is uh, that the difference in experience between say, I don't know, like a 20, five-year-old programmer and a 30-year-old programmer, maybe not as much as you think because programmers tend to start young. And if both of them have been programming since they were 10, then, you know, even the 25-year-old programmer may actually have a lot more coding experience than a 30- or 35-year-old programmer who, you know, maybe was in management for a while or something like that. So um, we're, we're in sort of a unique profession where even the people that are coming to us, you know, when I do interviews of people coming to me straight from campus and they're like juniors applying for an internship straight from campus, they could well have six to eight years of programming experience. That would not be that unusual. Uh, You know, just because people start programming when they're young often and and they they, they learn a lot, a lot of hobbyist programmers and that kind of stuff. 
I guess the only observation I have is is maybe you got to make what you're doing fun and exciting and and to attract people, right? I mean, maybe that's this is the backwards way to think of it. Mm-hmm. If you're doing something really cool, people will want to work on it naturally. I mean, that's how programmers are. They want to work on you know what's cool and hot and interesting and neat and fun. So maybe that's the thing to think more about rather than how much we need to pay these people. It's like how do we make what we're doing awesome? Right, yeah. so yeah. that we automatically attract people uh, to our project. Right, right. So, yep. Um, and you know, there's a lot of th- excuse me. There's a lot of things that motivate people. There may be you know, if you're located in a weird part of the country where it's hard to get good programming jobs, you know, and you're the one programming shop in the in the area, it'll be pretty easy to to hire. Uh, if you're located, uh, you know, if if you if you're the only company that has a good vacation policy. Um, here, here in the U.S., it's fairly typical vacation policy is two weeks of vacation a year. So it's really basically 10 days off a year. And uh, at Fog Creek, we just have double that. So that, that already makes us, you know, there are already people that want to work at Fog Creek specifically because they really like the fact that we have a generous vacation policy. They want to work there because they don't have to work. Kind of. Yeah. No, I, I think that's awesome. I mean, I, I'm kidding, but I, I Well, you know what great. it is, is that different people will want to make different trade-offs. And, and for some people, that's... You know, there is always a class of people that are going to take less salary in exchange for more vacation. And to the company, you know, why, why would all companies offer the same mixture of vacation and salary when you can offer a different mixture and attract people that, you know, have a different sensitivity to those different issues? Sure. No, I totally believe that. And, and for the record, when uh, Jeff, Jared, and I were at, yeah, in New York at the Fog Creek offices, I think Jeff and Jared were both like, wow, wouldn't it be cool to work for Fog Creek? So, yeah. Uh, Hey, guys, we're hiring. I'm sorry. Jeff, cover your ears. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Did we sign anything that said that Fog Creek couldn't poach Stack Overflow employees? Not that we would. (laughs) We wouldn't do that. We were explicitly promising not to put them. Yep. So let's do the the trail out. You want to say the number again? What's the trail out? If you have any questions for the Stack Overflow podcast, we'd love to hear them. Why don't you give us a call? The number is 646-826-3879. Don't forget to mention your name there and where you're calling from and uh, try to keep it to under 90 seconds. Or you can record an audio file in either MP3 or Ogvorbis format and email it to podcast at stackoverflow.com. We've got a transcript wiki, which is getting a little bit behind. So I'd like to encourage you, if you'd like to volunteer and do a service for the hearing impaired, um, it'd be really nice if you could go to um, blog.stackoverflow.com and click on the uh, wiki link there uh, for every podcast episode and um, um, edit that uh, with uh, the transcript of what we're saying here. And uh, finally... um, I think uh, I I should have had one more thing there, but I uh, ran out of things to say. So uh, we'll see you next week. See you next week. You've been listening to Stack Overflow with Jeff Atwood and Joel Spolsky. The Conversations Network is a 501c3 nonprofit, and we need your help. For a tax-deductible donation of as little as $5 per month, you can support this channel and the rest of the Conversations Network. So please visit conversationsnetwork.org to become a member and help us continue to bring our programs to the world for free. Our audio files are delivered by Limelight Networks, the high-performance content delivery network for digital media. The post-production audio engineer for this program was Joel Spolsky.
Our website editor was Jeff Atwood. The series producer is Jeff Atwood. This is Phil Windley. I hope you'll join me next time for another great presentation from Stack Overflow here on IT Conversations.